a podcast shedding light on how healing is an inside job. Keys to your inner power and total transformation. Discussing wholeness, wellness, and the effects of the mind on the physical and energetic parts of our being. Sacred knowledge that inspires us to look within, to find our own unique path. Release and rewire to become what you truly are, strong, whole, and empowered. Welcome to the Empowered Mind, Empowered Health podcast for the Conscious Game Changers with Dr. Jane. Please like, share, and subscribe. Just be the wave. Today we have Dr. Renata Mola. Renata is a licensed naturopathic doctor and trained homeopath. She had the intention to become a psychologist, but discovered that it was only the Western, para- Western medical paradigm that separated mind from body. She felt that this was a fatal flaw and wanted to learn about modalities that would allow her to integrate all aspects of the human being, mind, body, and soul. She currently practices in Stratford as an MD with the focus on conscious conception, fertility, women's health, and pediatrics. Welcome, Renata. Thank you so much for having me on, Jane. Very excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited too. Renata, your journey into motherhood changed your career path, led you to some pretty deep healing, and made you aware of something called conscious conception. Can you tell us about this journey? Absolutely. Um, So I guess the best place to start this story is um, my wife and I had gotten married and we were just having a conversation about whether or not we wanted to have children. And I had never wanted to have children. It was just not something that ever appealed to me or ever sounded like a good thing. Um, Whereas my partner had always wanted children. So we're sort of an odd couple in this way that I think something like this would normally, you know, break people up or, or push them apart. But um, I don't know, as fate would have it, that that wasn't our story. So we're having a conversation and, you know, I'm sort of saying all the reasons that I don't want kids and she's saying all the reasons that she does. And it was kind of a difficult point in our marriage because obviously this is not something that you can compromise on. This, you know, you're not talking about what color the bedroom should be. You either have kids or you don't. And um, it started to become something that was sort of difficult to talk about. So um, we kind of put it on hold for a while. And a few months after the last conversation we'd had, I was going to attend a plant medicine ceremony, which was a big part of my life. And um, I'd been to many. And I had no intention of bringing this question to that ceremony, but immediately the plant started showing me and telling me, you know, you're making a big mistake with shutting down this possibility of becoming a mother. And I was very resistant to the idea and I kind of pushed back a little bit. And but what the plant showed me with very intense clarity was 
it wasn't actually that I didn't want kids. It was that on both my maternal and my paternal side, there had been a long history of child and pregnancy loss, and that was unhealed. So obviously when something is unhealed or unintegrated, that gets passed down. And so that was sort of the thing that she showed me is that, you know, it's, you need to reconsider this because if you heal this aspect, then you might be open to other possibilities. So that was the first part of that ceremony. The second part of the ceremony, um, she showed me what it was to be a mother and it was very different than anything I had ever understood or thought a mother to be. So that was also very eye-opening. Um, and in that part of the ceremony, I also you know, brought her some questions and you know, I'm feeling lost in my career. I don't really know what I wanna be doing. And she said, you, know, you need to be doing fertility and pediatrics. And I laughed out loud because it was literally the farthest thing. I couldn't understand why anyone wanted kids to begin with. It was just not something that ever appealed. But she said, you know, just stay open because you might find that you, you actually start to be interested in these topics. And then in the final part of the ceremony, she introduced me to the soul of my daughter. And that was unbelievable to say the least. It was, um, I fell completely in love with her. And the plant kind of showed me a little bit about our karma together and what she's wanting to teach and what I need to learn. And, you know, at that point I was like, okay, so when is this supposed to happen? And the plant said, she's ready as soon as you're ready, which I understood to mean right now, but that turned out to be wrong. Um, so fast forward, I spoke to my partner about it and we, the way that it works with same sex couples in, I think Canada, but Ontario for sure, is that um, you need to work with a fertility clinic because you can't just purchase sperm and do it on your own. So we went in, we did all the preliminary testing, everything was fine. Um, and we started to try to inseminate. So we decided to just do unmedicated IUI. And four tries later, um, my period was late on the fourth attempt. And I had a dream not long after that, that the timing wasn't right. And then on Mother's Day 2017, I started to bleed. And it just felt like, I just felt crushed. I don't know how else to explain it. It felt, it felt so symbolic that it was Mother's Day too. Um, and it was, I kind of had a breakdown at that point. Because I don't know, you know, anyone that's been through a fertility clinic experience, even if you're a same-sex couple and fertility isn't necessarily an issue, you're very much treated as if it is. Um, and I think that really broke me down and started to have a huge impact on my self-confidence, my trust in my body, my trust in myself. Um, but of course, it's never... It's not circumstances that cause us to feel something, right? Circumstances bring out what's already there, in my opinion. So that's sort of when the healing began to start taking place. But I was also really angry because I felt like, you know, I'd been told that this was supposed to happen. So why wasn't it happening? Why was all this pain happening? Um, 
And I had a dream very shortly after that, that in explicit detail and with extreme clarity demonstrated that it's not that there's a physical issue, it's that on a deep fundamental level, I don't feel a sense of trust in this entire process. I'm fearful. And being in that kind of state, it's not conducive to life. Not just creating life, but life in general. Um, and short, and sorry, so what was kind of interesting about that is that each time we tried the insemination, I either had a dream where my daughter was there or I could just feel her. So I, I had this sense that she was close by, but for some reason it just wasn't coming together. Um, stop me if you, if you want to ask anything. I realize I've been talking for some time. No, it's wonderful. Go on. Yeah. Um, and so I decided that in a meditation I would connect with her and just see what was up, like why this wasn't happening. And so thankfully she did show up and it was easy to connect with her. And um, basically through her guidance and through her, I mean, the first time that I went to speak with her, I said to her, you know, I love you and I wish that you would come. And she said, no, you don't. And no, you don't. It's okay that you don't love me yet. It's okay that you don't want this yet. Um, just be honest. And so that, that also just removed a layer of pressure because I felt like I could just completely be myself and be open. And um, so that combined with the dream of this fear, it's like it allowed me to go back through the, through the inseminations and realize that, yeah, it's true, you know, like I had pushed through, but if I went back when I was putting on my gown, for the ultrasound to make sure the follicle was developing. Is it true that my hand was shaking the entire time? Yes. You know, is it true that every single time the doctor would walk in and say, okay, we're going to do the insemination. If this doesn't work, we'll move on to IVF. Was that, you know, if I go back to the experience of that, my entire body just shut down. I was horrified. Um, you know, thank God for IVF, but it's just not something that I would ever feel comfortable pursuing. So, you know, it's like there's such a disconnect between how you feel and what you're expecting to happen and then the clinical setting that you find yourself in and all of the stuff that that makes you feel. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, basically, step by step, what came up was that I didn't trust the process. I didn't trust that the doctors knew what day would be a good day to do this on. I didn't trust that you know, the sperm bank didn't mess it up and forgot to test him for HIV or, you know, whatever else. I didn't trust that my body could actually get pregnant and could, you know, have a healthy full-term pregnancy. There was so much mistrust on so many levels, and this is a huge foundational issue in my life. So what my daughter's soul helped me to see was that, you know, you have to address these things before, ideally before you go into motherhood, because everything that you don't address, your kid's going to inherit. Um, and she made it clear that she didn't want to come to a mother who was still dealing with these things on such a profound level. So she asked that I come and sit with her every single day. And I did. And slowly but surely, things started to open up and things started to change. Um, and then... 
you know, I mentioned the low point, the Mother's Day thing. The second low point came when during one of these meditations, just as I was starting to feel more trust in my own body, um, you know, I started, I, was, I forget what conversation I was having with my daughter's soul at the time, but she said, there's something that you need to be aware of. It's not a problem. Please don't worry, but you have to be aware of it. And my throat started to swell up and it began, I felt like I couldn't breathe for a second. I was caught. I almost started to cough. And a couple of days after that, I'm walking home from work and I notice an Endy's sandwich board. And for some reason, I felt compelled to call this woman, which is so unusual for me, because if I'm going to go see somebody as a patient, I'm like, you know, very thorough in terms of researching them and figuring out who they are and what their approach is. But I called her, um, went in, told her what we'd been dealing with. And, you know, she said, it's not unusual that IUI takes some time. It's everything's normal, but why don't we do some testing? So she ran a really full panel of tests and everything came back normal, but what was discovered is thyroid antibodies. So she diagnosed me with Hashimoto's and that was sort of the second low point because I felt like, how is this possible? I, how is it that my body is having an autoimmune reaction or an autoimmune illness going on but there's literally no sign of it. And this at the time was again, I felt totally in shock and just horrified because, you know, as we know, Hashimoto's also has a huge impact on fertility for a lot of women. Um, so it was just another point where I was like, okay, this is never going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And, um, but it's interesting because as I started to journal about it and, and learn more about it, what stood out to me was that, you know, my body's having this, this pathology going on, but there's no sign of it. And I don't know, Jane, about how you feel, but something that I've seen with myself and with my patients is that the body and pathology kind of reflects the person. So how that pathology behaves is sort of similar to how the person behaves. Yeah. And what they're thinking. It's a mirror. And what yeah, it's a mirror, totally. And so I, it struck me immediately that there's this, there's this huge situation going on, but there's no sign of it. And I remember my mom telling me from the age of like, her complaint is always that I don't let anybody into my life. I'm very private. Just like as soon as, you know, even at, as a three-year-old, we never knew if you were happy or sad or whatever. You just didn't show signs of anything. Um, and this was such a another point of entry into a deeper healing of, yeah, I don't ask for help. I don't show when something's going on that's really difficult or painful or whatever. And it's sort of the same thing, right? Like yeah. this pathology shows up, but there's no sign of it. How is that possible? Yeah. That it's hidden. It's hidden. It's totally hidden. And you know, that it's, that's a deeper strand in my life as well of things being hidden and you don't show stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess. So then the other part that started to unravel with the Hashimoto's is with autoimmune illness. I mean, we know that stress is a huge component of that. And I had never 
I'd always kind of assumed that, yeah, like my life was average, stressful, kind of like everybody else. But, you know, looking at it more closely and more deeply and getting into my own history in the womb, for example, um, when my mom described how her pregnancy was with me, it was stress from beginning to end. So it's like very much stress has been the primary experience in my life. And I had just learned to kind of keep going as so many of us do. So you don't even register it as stress anymore. Yeah. And you were probably born with it. A hundred percent. And you can be sure that it didn't start with my mom because she, it's all connected, right? All the unhealed stuff through the lineage starts to be reflected lower and lower down. Um, so that was another huge point of healing. And then the other aspect that she asked me to go into was the donor. Um, it was, I don't know how detailed you want me to get into this, but I think <laughs> what I learned about myself is that as much as I'm unconventional in a lot of ways, there's also a part of me that is deeply traditional. And the idea of having a child using donor you know, donor sperm was very uncomfortable for me, but I didn't consciously go there necessarily. Um, and so I, I had to sort of, I feel like love is a very powerful energy. And I think that children ideally should be conceived in love. And that, in my opinion, ideally should include all of the components. So there's love between my wife and I, for sure but there has to be love also between us and this donor. It can't just be, you know, I sometimes hear people talk and it's like, it's not just sperm and egg. There's much more to it than that. This guy has his own lineage, his own energy, his own essence. And yeah, my daughter encouraged me to also look at that and just include him in a more, in a more integrated way, not just sperm and egg. And so I would invite his energy in and I would meditate on his energy and I would start to have dreams where I would learn more things about him. And as time went on, I realized that I genuinely did feel a sense of love for him. Not in the same way, obviously, as like my partner or whatever, but there is a very deep sense of love. And to this day, like, you know, as I'm lying in bed and doing my prayers, I always send him healing and blessings and all the rest of it too. So it's, yeah, I don't know. There's a huge component of just integration and learning to trust the entire process. Um, where else can I go with this? I feel like there's so much more to it. Right. And well, fertility is, and bringing another soul into this world is a far more complex and beautiful thing than many realize. And so you know, when my kids were really tiny and I couldn't, I couldn't take their case for how to fix a cough or whatever they were going through because they were too small, I would give them my remedy, knowing yeah. that they carried my stuff, you know, and that's the beauty of homeopathy. I would see coughs stop immediately when I gave them my remedy, but so many are unaware of A, that, you know, that their parents gave them 
stuff and that they were carrying things while they were pregnant or even before. And yeah. And the reasons why we're not able to conceive the deep, deep healing that needs to come with that, because there can just be great resistance. A hundred percent. I think that's exactly it. And, um, and also just how beautiful it is to include the child's soul in their own conception. Because what so, I learned. That, I, that's fascinating that you did that. Can you describe just a bit more on how you connected to her soul? Because like that brought about so much healing and she's in a place of all knowing. This is it. That's exactly it. Yeah. So um, I would get into a meditative state and I was fortunate that she showed up for me in, my, in the dream time. So I could visualize her. I knew what her energy was like. Um, but even if you don't have that, like I work with patients who are doing the conscious conception thing all the time, and there are chants that you can do, and there are visualizations that you can do to call in that child's soul. Um, so yeah, I would just get into a meditative state, and I would ask her to come because I was you know, hoping to connect with her. And what I visualize is connecting my heart. So I open up my heart space and I just invite her in and I call her in. And usually, you know, the way it happens for me is she'll just appear. It'll be a flash or I'll get the sense that she's present. Um, and, and then, yeah, after that, it was, it's funny. Initially, I was almost so nervous and so anxious and I, I would have like a million questions but her presence was so much just like, it's okay, just be here. We don't always have to, there doesn't have to be a laundry list of questions, just feel my energy. And that in itself was beautifully healing too, of just like, ah, oh, you know, like take a deep breath, just be present. Everything you need to know is going to be shown to you. You don't have to rush through it. Yeah. And, and just the awareness of your own resistance, did that help heal it? Just knowing that that's where it came from? Or did you need a, a homeopathic or just how did you deal with that? Uh, the resistance to wanting to become a mother? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I definitely took a number of homeopathics during that time. Bless my homeopath. Um, the other remedy that I worked with a lot was flower, rose flower essence. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it just, I found that it helped to open my heart and it helped to very gently, but persistently open me up to things that normally felt kind of scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other way that I dealt with the resistance is just being really honest with myself about what the resistance was truly about. You know, was it the fact that I was scared? Is that what the resistance was that I was scared that this wasn't ever going to happen? Or I was scared that I wouldn't love her, you know, like all these things pass through your mind and it can, you can feel judgmental about them, but I think it's really critical to stay completely open and non-judgmental because every fear that you have, every question that you have, it's totally fine. It's there for a reason. And, um, the, oh, the other modality that I worked with a ton, I practiced this one and it's like my, next to homeopathy, it's my number one modality is neuroemotional technique, NET. So working with statements, you know, like I, it's okay for me to become a mother or I feel 
ready to become a mother. Um, you know, for a lot of my patients and myself, for sure, these statements would go weak because on some fundamental level, it was not true. Yeah. And you can feel it in your body with resistance or, or do you check it like with an actual? I mean, I, I know myself well enough at this point to know what, what things I'm resistant to, but I do always check because to me, it's like the body just holds truth. There's no good or bad associated with it. Whereas the mind, I think is a bit dicier. There's a lot of judgment and like distortion in the mind, whereas the body doesn't lie. So I still test the body on myself as well when going into that. So you can tell when the statement holds true and you're, you now oh, yeah. created the belief. Totally. And you can feel it too. It's like things will start to shift. It's, you know, I find that like before I started to do that deeper work, as we were inseminating, it was all in my mind. I would be just completely consumed by all of this. You know, it's like after the insemination, there's the two week wait on the day that my period was expected, like two days before that, I'd be like, oh my God, this feeling that I'm feeling, is that my period? Like, what's, is this going to happen? What's going to happen? Like, I could not stop thinking about it, which is also a huge learning point because, you know, that's a, in a way, I feel like that's a very young orientation. Whereas pregnancy, conception, motherhood, I think requires more of a yin more of a trusting, more of an openness, more of a less efforting. Yeah, just allowing. Just allowing, being open. That's mm -hmm. it. Um, so yeah. You, you felt yourself shift more into that female energy? Totally. I felt myself just letting go and not being so caught up in everything. And I think, you know, as I, as I got to know my daughter's spirit more, that was also huge because one of the questions, one of the things that held me back was, you know, how I didn't, I didn't really know how to grapple with this idea of bringing a child into the world with the world being what it is. Um, and, you know, some people are optimistic and they think it's a good thing. I have never felt that way. I kind of feel like the, way, the trajectory that we're on is not super positive. And so the idea of bringing a child into the world really scared me. And one of the conversations with my daughter, she was saying, but it has nothing to do with you. You don't choose to bring me in. I choose to come in. The only choice you have is whether or not you will agree to be the physical vessel. But make no mistake, like I'm choosing to come. You're not choosing anything. Yeah. But that felt really, that was huge because I felt this entire load just lift off my shoulders. And, and yeah, so then, you know, bit by bit, I began to shift into a much more trusting place. And especially once I'd connected with the donor in a more meaningful way, I felt that I was now ready to receive him in this way. You know, it's, um, yeah, I, I think that that is also huge because I see this a lot in some of my patients who are also using, whether it's eggs or sperm that are donor. Um, 
I think that connection is really critical because it's got to be an integrated, an integrated whole. It cannot just be viewed by, through the parts, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I was really afraid of having children too. And I'll never forget the day that I, because I, I, I realized these things. I didn't do it as deeply as you have, but I remember sending out to the universe, okay, I'm ready and I'll be a mother. And within two months, I was pregnant with twins unexpectedly. <laughs> oh was, my gosh. I remember going, well, I asked for it. <laughs> But it was, it was such a deep um, connection to something greater when I did it. Like it wasn't just a thought. It was like, I sent it out to something, you know, just connecting to the universe almost. So, yeah. Yeah. And what I find fascinating about this is that I actually think that this is, I wonder if this is the way that it's often been throughout history for women. It's just these days we're so disconnected from ourselves. We're so disconnected from our womb and our, our place of power. And it's very, I don't know, like it's now having been through this, I feel like it's so natural for a mother to sense that the soul of a child is near and then to start kind of getting in touch with that child on a heart level, um, in a heart level and heart centered way because you can totally feel when that kid is closer and closer and closer. And it's interesting because I, I feel like when you, when you put that out there, it's like certain things, if there are elements that need to be healed or looked at more closely, those things will start popping up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember too, they, they pop up when you're pregnant, but also when your child is tiny, like they're yes. really carrying your stuff and they really mirror it. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember just knowing that my child, her cough had, was connected to my grief. <laughs> and I was going, oh, no. So I'm, Yeah, it makes perfect sense, right? They're, in your, they, they're growing in your body for nine months, right? Yeah. They feel every breath, they feel every heartbeat, they hear every thought, every word you say. It's massive. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of become a passion of mine to spend time with women in that preconception phase. Because I think in our culture, we have this idea that it starts when you're pregnant. But I would argue that it starts far before, as long as you're open to that and you're wanting to make that connection. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, and I often contemplate, you know, a lot of what's happening with our youth and the music and how sex has become, you know, just an act or gratification. And yeah, this connection to spirit and this holy divine thing that happens is being neglected or forgotten. Oh, absolutely. I I was reading, there's this amazing book. I think it's called Womb Awakening. It's a tome. It's massive. But it's talking about how when you engage in a sexual act with somebody, their essence, like their, their being, remains in your energetic field for seven years. Which I, I don't know. I totally believe that. Because I, I feel like I've had experiences where that makes sense and that resonates. 
And yeah. even with the, my conception story, like we've tried inseminating four times. So that, you know, the essence of this person had been inside of me. So it's much easier to access information that you're not going to get through a donor profile because it, you're literally interfacing with each other. There's a, and there's absolutely a sacredness to that. Yeah. And the connection is so intimate. It lasts for seven years. That's what this book is claiming. And I, I don't doubt it because I feel, I can feel that. It's like, you know, you can feel that person's resonance with you for some time. Yeah. And then it fades. Yeah. And so I often talk to my own girls about, you know, not casual sex isn't, it's, it's going to really mess with your energetic body and your yes. mind, right? Totally. Well, I also, it's interesting that you say that because I think huge, like I have a daughter, so I think about this all the time of like, how do you, how do you raise a child that totally respects their body temple and doesn't just allow anybody to pass through? It's very much with the food that you eat, the medicine you consume, the partners that you end up having, how do you, how do you instill this in a society that is so the opposite? Yeah, and um, the, the thoughts oh. that you're thinking, yeah. Yeah, but again, also interesting, like in ancient cultures, there would be rites of passage. So the first time a girl started to bleed, the first, you know, she's moving into womanhood. And it's like, those, those times were honored. Whereas now I feel like even the menstrual cycle is almost taboo. People don't want to talk about it or, you know, the number of times that I ask a patient basic questions about their menstrual cycle and they're not really sure, you know, it's like we, we've normalized disconnection to such a degree that we don't even know basic things, let alone the sacred aspects of our blood and our wounds and how that connects to all of life and creation. Yeah. Yeah. And that we are bringing forward and into this world, an incredible creation. An incredible creation. It's like beyond comprehension. Yeah. I remember when my daughter was born, I'd look at her and I just couldn't help but cry. Cause I, I was like, Oh my God, I, I was talking to you out there. And now you were in my, you lived in my womb and now you're here. You know, it's like, yeah. So did you know when you were, when you conceived? Yes. Yes. Um, I'm very lucky in the sense that my dreams are very powerful. Um, so yeah, I had a dream the night. So the day that we inseminated that night, I had a dream and it was very different from the tone of all the other dreams. There was a really celebratory aspect to it. Um, and I woke up and I just had this knowing and I, the very interesting thing is, so I guess rewind a little bit. Um, we took nine months off, which was, it's so symbolic, but it wasn't planned that way. We ended up after the fourth one, we decided to just take a break because it was too much. And then all this healing started taking place. And every single day I was communicating with my daughter and around Christmas, she said, um, you know, the next time you try, I'm going to come. And I was like, really, are you sure? Like, is this going to happen? And she's like, yes, I, I'm going to come. So, um, the, where, where my cycle was, 
um, two weeks later, we ended up inseminating and I knew immediately. And then it, shoot, we were pregnant. Wow. I got goosebumps there. (laughs) Me too. Every time I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, it's so unbelievable. But that too, it's like, I think what I learned the most is to trust myself above all else. Because, you know, we, I had started to work on the autoimmune aspect through various different means. And I retested my antibodies in December before she was conceived and nothing had changed. And I, again, I was like, just so disheartened and heartbroken. And like, how is this ever going to come to pass? And I was very hesitant to try again when she said that she would come. But I decided that I would just trust her and take her lead. And because at that point, our relationship had been so strong that I felt that, that I could trust her. And I also felt that I could trust my body at that point because I was no longer afraid of it. I had gotten to know it in a deeper way. And so even though the labs hadn't reflected a shift, I could feel inside of myself that something was changing. And so I said, let's go for it and see what happens. And the rest is history. Yeah. So interesting. And do you, have you healed the Hashimoto's? Um, So this might sound kind of nuts, but like I actually haven't tested anything since she was born. Um, I've, I need to do that as soon as possible. Um, There's a part of me that feels almost like it doesn't matter in a sense, because I think I've healed a lot of the underlying um, energetic reasons for it. That, and of course, you know, dietary changes and gut healing and stress management, all those things are in place. So um, I don't know, but I'll get back to you because I'm curious myself. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it's interesting because autoimmune disease are often treated with lanthanides, which are on the hidden, they're hidden on the periodic table and they have that aspect to them. Totally. I just, I just find homeopathy so fascinating. And, and so does your daughter remember any of this? Does she talk about it at all? Or is it like, you know, when we come in, we're, we have this state of amnesia, but sometimes we hang on to some information, you know? I think she is extremely aware. Um, It's interesting. She's never been a good sleeper. So she just turned two in October and um, we ended up taking her to see one of our colleagues um, for homeopathy. And she prescribed, she ended up prescribing the remedy that is the plant that showed, that introduced me to her soul. Oh, wow. So that's the remedy that she got. And she started sleeping through the night, which we had literally never done up until that point. And the day that we gave her the remedy for the first time, I was putting her down for nap and she says, mommy, I go, yeah. She goes, she speaks in Hungarian. So this is all in Hungarian. I'll just translate it to English. She said, "Um, Noah was up there flying, flying, flying. Mummy was down here singing. Noah came to mummy's belly. So she fully remembered because that's exactly, I was doing a lot of chanting and various different mantras at the time to connect with her soul. And, um, so I don't know, to me, that's a clear indication that for sure she remembers it. Yeah. 
And tell me more about the plant-based medicine that you did when you were first told. I haven't experienced that. So is there a certain plant that's chosen that represents what you need to do? How does it work? Um, So there are, you can work with plants in various different ways. Um, This plant is, it's a well-known plant from the Amazon. Um, It has the ability to kind of connect you with all sorts of things. My experience is that it connects me to my deepest self and it connects me to sort of the earth in a very profound way. Um, but you know, I work, that's not, that's not sort of the primary thing that I do. That's something that I do a couple of times a year, obviously with COVID, nothing's been going on in that realm, but I love working with plants from the perspective of, um, I guess it's sort of homeopathic in a way, although you do ingest the physical plant, because I think plants are conscious beings. And I think that by and large, if you're coming to them with a sincere prayer in your heart that you want to get to know them on a deeper level, they'll start to open up to you. So one of the most beautiful journeys I've, I've had was with reishi mushroom. Um, I spent three months just drinking the tea. I may, I'd make up a tea every day. And this, this mushroom has a powerful ability to bring you into your body which for me personally is always a struggle. I feel like I'm very often in the mind and it's easy for me to disconnect from the body. Um, But obviously the body is hugely powerful. It has so much wisdom. And I think there's a lot to learn from being in the body. Um, So yeah, I'd sit with this plant and it would just bring me into my, my body. It almost, reishi isn't a hallucinogenic plant by any stretch but I could feel, I don't know, to me it almost did have that quality where it's like you feel like you're in a different state altogether. Yeah, well, we know from homeopathy that plants, minerals all have a vibration and a message, so. Yeah, 100%. So that's a huge passion of mine, just, and the way that I, I usually go about it is actually like, I'll put it out to my higher self as I'm falling asleep. And I'll ask to be introduced to a plant that is wanting to go on this journey with me. And I'll just wait until something pops out. Lately, it's been mushrooms. I'm not sure what that's about, but mushrooms have been huge. So I've been taking a pretty deep dive into the mushroom realm. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, I do work with them more on a physical level. I, it's interesting. I've, I guess I could experiment with homeopathic versions. I just, um, I don't know. It's like a cautionary thing. I feel like that's the deepest level, whereas the physical level is a little bit more, as I'm getting to know the plant, it feels a bit safer somehow. Yeah. I read somewhere that mushrooms have this network where it connects completely underneath the earth, like the whole fungi. So, yeah, just to connect us or realize our connection to each other is a lot. Totally. And I mean, also, just from a physical perspective, like the immune component, mushrooms are incredible. Are Are you familiar with Paul Stamets's work? No, tell me about it. 
oh my gosh, this guy is like the mushroom guru of the world. He's unbelievable. He knows so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's kind of coming out of all of the mushroom research is that it literally will retrain your immune system to function as it should. So, so many people in our society either have under-functioning immune systems, right? So they're always getting sick, coughs and flus all the time, or it's like a hyper-functioning immune system, allergies, autoimmune issues, et cetera. And the mushrooms have this way of literally going in and like training your immune system to say, okay, you know what? Like you're overreacting a little, so why don't we just settle and it's okay to be on this level. So obviously this is a very simplified version of a complex process, but it's just absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And our connection to nature and what we already have is so valuable. I think we yes. need to be reminded of that on the daily. <laughs> oh, on the daily, especially with everything that's going on. I think, um, We'd be wise to turn into the nat tune into the natural world a little bit more, yeah, and and just see what the natural world has to offer us. Exactly, and and just listen and connect to nature. It's astounding to me, you know. Like I, cautious about what I'm about to say, but you know, it's like none of us would be here if our ancestors were not successful herbalists. None of us would be here. Antibiotics, all these modern things are what, 200 years old? But the wisdom in these plants is unbelievable. It's unparalleled. It's not an exaggeration either to say that human beings developed alongside plants. It's fascinating. Yeah. And our connection to them is incredible. So just tell me about this passion for mind, body, and soul, and how you feel that Western medicine has missed that mark a little bit. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned in the intro, I always wanted to be a psychologist. That was kind of my plan. Um, but um, it was like Psych 101, like very early on, it was talking about how people with mental health issues very often either also have physical health issues or they have worse physical health issues. Um, and I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? Like why, how is it that that isn't also addressed? Um, and so I started to kind of look into things and what you realize very quickly is that it's only modern Western medicine that separates the mind from the body. You know, you go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist because you're anxious or depressed and then you go see your doctor because you have IBS or whatever else is going on. But every other tradition, every other medical system throughout history, throughout human history, has said, you know, it's important to take everything into account because it's all happening within that person. So I did my psych degree and I was absolutely fascinated and I loved every second of it. It's, human psychology is fascinating. But it, it occurred to me that I couldn't, I couldn't just focus on the mind. I needed to find something that, that encompassed the entire being. And 
I'm not even sure how I got onto naturopathic medicine, to be honest. It's sort of a mystery, but I liked that it encompassed, it was a huge umbrella. So there was homeopathy and herbs and nutrition and Chinese medicine, all of, you know, each of those systems on its own is hugely powerful and requires a lifetime of study and practice. Um, but, you know, just the idea of being able to look at the human being as an entire thing, as opposed to just little components, really appealed to me. And it's, it's true for the fertility thing, too, because, you know, we can look at fertility in terms of the body. So, of course, we're going to optimize your hormones. Of course, we're going to make sure your eggs are as healthy as possible. Of course, we're going to make sure you don't have underlying health issues. But the mind, you know, something that I ask every prospective woman who wants to get pregnant is, how do you feel? Do you believe that you can get pregnant? What have you learned about pregnancy? What are your preconceptions about, you know, so many people are like, oh, I'm going to lose my body. Oh, it's going to be hard. Oh, you know, delivery and all this stuff is going to be brutal. It's like, you have to be really aware of that and mindful of all of it before you go in, because the mind has a huge impact on the body and how you're going to experience everything. And then the soul piece is, often the conscious conception. It's often the ancestral stuff that we have brought in with us. It's our dreams. It's our intuitions. Um, and I, I just really encourage everyone to get in touch with that because there's so much wisdom to be found there. Beautiful. And is there any final word of wisdom you have? And then how could someone get in touch with you if they wanted to explore this more in their own maybe, you know, fertility or healing? Yeah, so um, I think what I would say, my number one message is trust yourself. Because especially when it comes to fertility, but health in general, I think the deeper you get into studying medicine, the more you realize that we actually don't know very much at all. We know a lot, but there's way more that we don't know than what we do know. And so that leaves it open for creativity and interpretation. And I think that that's, some people might see that as a scary thing. I see that as a huge opportunity. Um, so trust yourself. So I'm sure you've had this experience with patients too, but it's like they know, they just know something and they go against that intuition and it always ends up having some kind of not so great consequence. So trust yourself. Um, and, and the, yeah, where you can find me, my website is www.renatamola.com, R-E-N-A-T-A-M-O-L-A.com. And you can read a bit more about that. Thank you so much. And I'll include that in the description. Awesome. Thank but, you, Jane. Yeah, your message is to listen to what's going on inside and everything will become clear from there. Yeah. And also to do the work of, cause there's a reason we don't trust ourselves, right? So start to break down those barriers and those, those systems within yourself that allows you to trust an outside source more than you trust yourself. It's okay to ask for guidance from an outside source, but I think it's important to recognize that you know yourself best. Perfect.
Thank you so much, Renata. My pleasure. And for everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Just go be you and be the wave.